and welcome back to another podcast by me, Foxy Notel, here streaming over the internet. And today's podcast is going to be, hopefully, quite an interesting one. It's been a little while since I've done a proper podcast. Um, last week I did a little bit on Article 13, and we'll be touching on that again later in today's podcast if we've got time. And uh, yeah, the week before that I did nothing, because... Things are going crazy for work at the moment. It's going absolutely nuts. I've got no time to do anything, let alone get my life together and do a podcast. So I'm trying really hard to squeeze things in. As uh, I'm recording this, it's actually 26 minutes past eight in the morning. So my voice might sound a little bit deeper and slightly more croaky than usual. And if it does, I apologize about that. I've got my lovely morning coffee in front of me. I've got my notes to my side and I'm ready to start this podcast. So let's start as we mean to go on by discussing my week. My week. So my week. What have I done this week? Um, <laughs> I feel like I've done nothing yet again. Outside of Minecraft, I have been working my little socks off. I've been traveling all over the country. I've been here, there and everywhere. I've been doing business deals. I've been selling stuff. I've been fixing stuff. I've been working in factories and getting mucky. The other day I was in a coal factory and I got coal all over my head because I banged my head on the machine and the coal fell out and it all went over my head, which was quite funny. It didn't hurt. Don't worry. I didn't have any accident or anything like that. And it wasn't loads of coal. It was just a bit. Basically, it was like a conveyor or a conveyor belt that was left uh, raising this coal up to a machine that would weigh it out into little bags. And underneath this conveyor was like a a tray to catch all the coal dust so that, um, yeah, so it didn't go all over the floor. And also because coal dust is coal dust is pretty explosive, so you don't really want it flowing around the place. So, yeah, I, I banged my head on the underside or this under tray of this conveyor and all the coal dust went all over my head, which is really good because shortly after that meeting, I had to then go to another meeting without stopping, um, yeah, to go and uh, have another meeting about selling stuff and I didn't have a change of clothes with me. I didn't have... Obviously, anywhere I could go and shower or get washed, I had to do my best in the little, you know, the toilet area to try and make myself uh, yeah, a bit more presentable. And I think it went OK. I think I managed to pull it off. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was an interesting one. Uh, we've also been carrying on with our treasure hunt. Uh, I don't know if you remember from pre- previous podcasts, but we've uh, we've been chasing treasure. Oh, we've been chasing treasure from uh, from a pirate from a thousand years ago who has been leaving us clues and we've been going to find that. And when I say leaving us clues, uh, it's basically me and Jack and Oliver, my two kids. We are taking part in this treasure hunt. It's not something that's organised elsewhere. It's something we're we're doing ourselves. And I'm not going to go into too many details. Uh, uh, at this moment in time, I'll talk to you more about it after Christmas when hopefully it will all, all have finished. Yeah, what else have I been doing outside then? Outside of Minecraft, I've been decorating my Christmas tree. Me and Oliver decorated the Christmas tree this weekend. We got the tree up. We got some new lights for it. We put some baubles on. He's only four, so he can't reach very high up the tree. So he did like the bottom section with all the bulb, like the colourful baubles and things like that. And I did the top section. So it's a bit looks interesting our tree. But uh, and I know a lot of people. A lot of people don't let their kids interfere with the Christmas tree decorations. Like, no, I'm doing this. It's going to look perfect. To me, Christmas is about, you know, family. I couldn't give a monkey's if my Christmas tree looks like a giraffe's basically swung it around its neck a few times and thrown some lights on top. Uh, It just, as long as I know the kids have had a good time actually doing it, 
then I'm happy. And they did. Or at least Oliver did. Jack wasn't there this weekend because he was at his mum's birthday party. So Jack missed out, but he's gonna he'll be able to do that at his mum's house instead. So it's not not the end of the world. And yeah, Oliver and I had a great time at yeah, putting the tree up and Oliver really enjoyed it. Until he got bored. As four year olds do. Four year olds do get bored and he wasn't very patient in we were decorating the tree. He liked putting the baubles on. He liked putting the tinsel on. He liked putting the star on top. But when it came to putting lights around the house and everywhere else, he got fed up and went back to play on the iPad. So that was fair enough. I don't I don't mind that. That meant I could sort of concentrate on getting the other decorations up around the place, maybe a little bit neater than they went on the tree. So that was outside of Minecraft. In Minecraft, in Bedrock Edition, well, well, well. Well, video went out today, in fact, uh... <laughs> of how Bedrock Edition went this week. And let me just give you a little clue. It didn't go well. I had a very, very small window of opportunity to record my Bedrock Edition video this week. I had literally like two, or well, two and a half hours I had put to one side just to record that video. Not to edit it, just to record that video. I had a really good idea of what I wanted to do. And because of all the bugs in Bedrock Edition, basically the whole thing messed up. The... <laughs> I managed to destroy the realm, um, and I couldn't reload it. I couldn't get a backup to work, and therefore I didn't get anything recorded, which is a bit of a shame. So there is a video out, but it's uh, not a lot happens in it, but it's quite funny. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it, because it's quite funny, that one. So that uh, the, the episode before that, I made some horse stables, and basically the idea of the episode that I tried to record was I was going to go and do a lot of the outside work. I was going to do some path work and add in maybe some like watery areas, some pond fountains, things like that. Just make it look really nice. There's a lot of torches around the floor in that area and I just wanted to sort of clean them up, hide the lighting and make it look a lot more natural and interesting looking than it currently looks. So yeah, it did, I didn't get anything done in the end. So, so that was Bedrock Edition. In Java Edition, a bit of a similar story, but instead, rather than having two and a half hours to record that video, I had 30 minutes. I had literally like 30 minutes to record a video, and I thought, how am I going to record an interesting video in 30 minutes? And then I thought, well, I used to do that. I used to just do one-take, no-cut videos. I used to start recording, I'd speak for 20 minutes, get as much work done as I could inside that 20 minutes, and then stop the recording. And then all I would do in the editing suite would I would stick some music on the beginning, stick some music on the end and maybe like a a title that popped up over the screen and that was it then i'd upload it to youtube so i thought i'll give it a go it's been a long time since i've done that so i tried to do a one cut or no edit video which i did do until right at the end and i forgot i'd forgotten to add a couple of bits of information into the video so i had to sort of almost cut a bit onto the end but i didn't have any parts of the video where i stumbled my words and had to edit it out or i did something i wasn't happy with and had to cut it out it was all relatively seamless so I was pretty happy with that it is a bit of a cop-out episode because I didn't have time to record a full one but I think it was interesting nonetheless I think it came out I think it came across okay so yeah so that's um that's javascript no that's java edition and bedrock minecraft that's what I've been doing this week so coming up in today's podcast we have the news a Q&A with uh, not very interesting questions in it because no one really asked me any questions but we'll get to that in a minute um, we've got a we're going to be discussing bedrock edition bugs the game breaking bugs that they still uh, they're still there in the game and they haven't fixed yet and uh, well maybe if we've got time we'll touch on article 13 again uh, just a couple of bits that I missed from my last podcast it's not going to be long winded and boring and like in your face oh you must do this and you 
must do that. It's just a couple of bits that might you might find interesting, a little bit of information anyway. So, before we do any of that, we need to get on with the news. So, in the last couple of weeks since I did a proper podcast, the uh, mainly my news sort of covers things that go on with Minecraft, or at least sn- Minecraft snapshots at the moment, because that's where all the information's coming out from. And it's been very weak. The snapshots have had a lot going on behind the scenes, by the looks of it, but not a great deal coming out to the forefront. Um, I mean, there has been a lot, don't get me wrong but it's not like we're getting anything particularly groundbreaking coming through. So, first thing that was amazing, that I really liked, and I finally gave me a reason to like the new Village and Pillage update, because if you don't know already, if you haven't been listening to my podcasts or listened to me anywhere else, I'm not a fan, or I wasn't a fan of the Village and Pillage update. I really disliked the idea that we had these pillagers in the game that were effectively going around murdering people and griefing villages... And then when it turned out that they would just spawn everywhere in the world, like really regularly and just destroy anything in their path, that really bothered me. And I was really, really like put off the idea of this update. I was strongly like considering maybe I should start a modded series in an older version of the game because I don't want to play with these guys. And then, and then it's like they heard my prayers they turned them off. They stopped villagers or they stopped pillagers, sorry, spawning as regularly. And at the moment when they do spawn, they don't have the pillager beast with them. Now, I actually quite like the pillager beast as a mob, but I see it as more of like a boss mob. So what they've done at this moment in time, and it is subject to change, but they've made it so you actually have to start an event to get a village raid. So it's almost like, um, like um, what are those games called? Tower defense games. You know where you... Uh, you set up your defences around an area and then you basically press go and you've got all of these different waves of enemies that come across. Now, that's how it's going to work. It's amazing. So in order to trigger a village raid, you have to, I think you have to kill a pillager leader, which is the one with the banners on, and you have to find them out in the world and kill them and that will trigger a raid at a village. And then when you go to that village, you've basically got to protect it against pillagers and illagers and, and things that come and attack it. And I think all sorts of different mobs can actually take part in, in the raid as well, which is pretty cool. I think even witches. So that's really cool. I really like that. They've made it interesting. They've made it different. The thing that seems to be missing from it is some sort of prize. Um, because they, you do have like a boss bar on it. It's not a boss bar, but it's like a boss bar. It tells you how many bad guys are left and how many you've got to get. I would expect at the end of it, rather than just going, phew, I've saved the village, you should get some sort of prize out of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to be. Uh, But yeah, pillager outposts are great because it puts the pillagers out in one place. We're going to be able to have pillager farms. The reduced spawning of pillagers is great. They're going to be a lot more rare, so you're not going to have to worry about it so much. And these village raids that are triggered, amazing. Yeah, really like it. Really, really changed my mind on all of these things. I'm really happy with all of that. So that's that side of things. Then we've got the village update, which we're sort of starting to get a glimpse into partially. They've done new buildings and new blocks and new villages, which aren't in the game yet, and they're starting to come through. So we've seen in the last snapshot, we've seen the, uh, I think it's the the Plains biome, is it? Village or the new biome that's in the Plains or one of those at least. Anyway, I can't remember which one it's in. And the new building, the, the the new buildings look great. The village looks a lot more 
Um, What's the word? The word, oh man, uh, natural, not natural though. I mean, organic, that's it. Yeah, with the like buildings not quite as structured. They're all over the place, pathwork everywhere. There's a lot more things going on. They've got meeting places. The bells are starting to be added into the game. We're seeing the new blocks come into the village. And even the grindstone now has a function. We can use that to get XP by disenchanting items, which is great. What I really want to see, and I haven't played with it yet, is can we hook up an AFK fish farm to that with hoppers and just have items going in from the AFK fish farm, disenchanting them to get like the, the raw item out, and then that, that storing XP like a furnace? Because if you can do that, not only will you get a ton of XP from actually doing the fishing, you'll also get a ton more XP from all the disenchanted items you get from fishing. So that could be a really good way to get XP. What I like to see what I'd really like to see coming out from this is them actually give us a way to use that XP. I know we can repair items with it on the anvil and we can enchant things with XP, but I'd really like to see those XP give us buffs or give us abilities or even like spend it somewhere. I don't know. It would be nice if having a a higher level in the game actually opened the game up to you a bit more. Maybe mob spawned around you based on your level or something like that or i don't know i don't know that's open to interpretation but i'd like to see xp being used more seeing so it's a lot more freely available in the game now it seems very easy to get hold of and like there's less reason to use it at the moment so hopefully something will come out from that and that's pretty much it as far as i can see there's been a few bug fixes there's been a few behind the scenes changes there's a lot going on with data pack stuff again and uh in items and and modelling and all that sort of stuff, which I haven't even looked into really. I've just sort of scratched the surface of it. So that's that's that. So that's the news. So I guess it's time to go into our Q&A. But before we do, I want to do my usual little plug section where I tell you about how wonderful I am and how much I want you to spend your money on me to help me. No, I'm not really. Basically, I do have a Patreon account, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash foxynotel, where you can come and support me. But it's not just to support me. It's also, if you wanted to play in my Java survival world or on my Bedrock survival realm, that's how you join. We have a patron system for people to join in. So that is basically um, a way to verify people that join the realm. It is for over 18s. If you want to support me and not join, then that's great. You can do, but obviously, if you want to join, that's the way you do it. If you want to get hold of me outside of this podcast, you can tweet me at Foxy Notels. Probably the easiest way to get hold of me. You can comment on my YouTube videos. Uh, my channel is youtube.com forward slash Foxy Notel. Or you can even get me on my Discord server. The link is in the description for that. Also, I do have a website, which is foxynotel.com, where you can find information and details on all of my social media stuff, my videos, and how to join in. So there we go. That's that little plug section done. Let's go into the Q&A. This week, I've got three questions, although, as I mentioned earlier, I don't actually have, like, I didn't get any specific podcast questions. So I've just picked out some questions from my Discord and from YouTube that I think are relevant. The first one is from somebody that came, became a Patreon this week and then disappeared again because, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain in a second. But they are Colin Boyd, and they wrote me a message on YouTube to say, how do people get chosen to join your realm? I'm looking to start playing some realms with people committed to making cooler builds such as these, and I can't seem to find many. Now, that's a theme I see quite regularly on Reddit and social media is that people really want to be a part of a good realm and there aren't many about. And I think the reason that there aren't many about, I'm sure there are lots, 
but people don't really advertise them because you have a group of friends or a group of people that you trust and that you want to be part of your realm. You build something together and you don't really want strangers or outsiders coming in because you don't know who they are and you potentially don't trust them. That's why, as I said in my plug section, we have a Discord, or sorry, a Patreon verification system because we've found that people won't pledge on Patreon. They won't put their hand in their pocket and spend money if they're planning on griefing or being a nuisance. They'll only do it if they're serious about joining. And that's why that's why we use Patreon. I don't have the time to sit down and go through everybody's applications. I don't care how good they are at Minecraft. They could be the world's worst Minecraft. I don't care if they want to come and play. They can. All they've got to do is support me and pledge through Patreon. And that way I know they're serious and they're, I know they're invested in the game then. So, yeah, in in answer to his question, which I did answer him in the comments, you nobody gets chosen to join my realm. You you basically join by supporting through Patreon. And uh, as long as you're supporting and as long as you're a part of it, then then you can stay in the realm. Um, if you've been a me- member for a long time and you decide you don't want to support on Patreon anymore, I'm not going to kick you out. You can still play. Um, you know, Once that level of trust is there and I can see your investment into the game and into my community and my realms is like a justified one, then yeah, I'm not going to kick anybody out. So it's, a, it's just a way to verify that people have a true and good intention. And there are perks as well of becoming a Patreon, like... Um, they get access to my videos before the the general public do. Um, not all of them, but sometimes when I get a video uploaded early, I'll do a li- little like screening or preview for the Patreons to watch. And also, this year I sent out a free gift to everybody. So every single one of my patrons, didn't matter where they were in the world, they got a choice of a Foxy No-Tail mug from three different designs or a mouse mat or a key ring or something like that. And uh, they all got to choose their own design, and I got I got those, and I sent them all out. So their money's not just going in my back pocket. It's going to actually support the servers and support the realms and also going back to them as well. So it's not like I'm just going, oh, thank you very much for all this money. I'll go put it in my pocket. No, uh, not a single penny from it actually goes into my back pocket. It all does sitting in, well, sitting in an account, growing, and then I'm going to have a big vault with, full of it, and I'm going to be able to go swimming in it like Scrooge McDuck. Um, no, it's it's going back into the system slowly but surely. Like the Java realm, we've like massively, massively increased the performance on the Java realm because of the the uh, the bugs and the optimization problems with 1.13, which I'm spending more than I would normally spend on any server um, for that. But it's giving us the optimization and well, not the optimization. It's giving us the performance we need to host that server without too many issues. So so yeah, that's what. The answer to that question is, and Colin did come along. He pay, he joined, he patroned, he pledged on Patreon, he came and joined, and while he was joining, I explained to him that at some point in the future, probably around about the springtime, we will be probably resetting the Bedrock Realm and starting again, because it's getting a bit stale now. People are not really playing it as much as they did. Um, people are playing Java Edition a lot more, and obviously with all the new updates coming out, we're going to want the new features for that. So I'm thinking once all of the new updates are fully landed, uh, it's going to give me time to finish off a few of my builds and get my farms and things sorted out. We'll probably have a reset. Now, that's not set in stone, but it's it, I think it's due, to be honest. So yeah, then Colin went, oh, actually, I don't want to be part of this then just yet. If you're going to reset, what's the point of me coming and building all this cool stuff? Which I appreciate, you know, you've got effectively four four or five months or maybe three or four months 
worth of building. But I, I appreciate if you don't want to come along and build a load of stuff for it all to just be wiped off, if you like. Not that it would just disappear. Obviously, once the realm's finished, the download will go up on my website for anybody to download and be able to play on. So it's not like those that you're if you're halfway through building something, you can still finish it off because you can download the realm and you can you know play on it to your heart's content afterwards. So that's question number one. I feel like I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but not to worry. The second question is was written on Discord, again from Art Exercise, who asked a question in the last podcast as well. And it says, question for whoever. So it wasn't even a question for me. <laughs> when you build a house in Minecraft, do you leave it alone when it's done and just build a new house to hold extra room? Or do you break down the walls and change the layout and roof, etc.? Well, Art Exercise, me personally... I try to imagine when I'm building a house how much space I'm going to need and build the house big enough to have multiple rooms. If you watched my last Java server series, I had a really big house and it was full of rooms and I had loads of room for storage. I had loads of room for potion rooms and enchanting rooms and stuff like that. But then I eventually did build other buildings purpose-built for those things as well because you do eventually. It depends how long you leave your world open for or how long your world goes on for but eventually i find you do grow out of those spaces on my bedrock edition realm i started with a t- really tiny little house it got so full of chests i had no room and i had to basically build a much bigger base i don't i try not to move on and just leave that house i do try and expand it or work on it or make it part of or at least a feature of what's coming next but sometimes you've just got to go no this is no good i'm either going to move on or just knock it down and start again because you have different visions. As time goes on, you think you're going to build in one way or you've got an idea of one thing and then you come up with another idea and you go, well, actually, that first thing that I did doesn't fit with this at all, so I'm going to do something else and knock it all down and start again. And that's the beauty of Minecraft is that it's so flexible and so easy to just change your mind over what you're doing and you can just knock things down and start again. Obviously, if you've built something absolutely massive or if you've built an entire town in like a medieval um look or era and then you decide actually i wish i'd done all of this futuristic then yeah it's going to be a big job changing it all over but for the sake of building a house and then going well i don't really like it i'm going to extend it or break it or start again or just change the style of it that's pretty easy to do generally anyway so that's the answer to that question the third question is from everyone everywhere And I hear it all the time. And I'm really, 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 honestly, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. The question is, where is Who Killed Steve Part 3? Or where's the rest of Who Killed Steve? I know. I mean, I'm sorry. I've tried so hard. The, The thing is, right, the thing is, and I'll try and explain why I haven't done it yet. I recorded, oh, hang on. Let's just start again. Let's just start from the beginning and explain what who could who, who killed Steve is. So in my Bedrock server, when I opened it up to my patrons, one of my patrons called Super Chicken came along and she made a character in my house, uh, which was a pumpkin on a piece of obsidian, and she called it Steve. Now, I took Steve and created him into a character, a recurring character in my videos as a bit of fun, and then we had basically a... A murder mystery, he he got killed, he got murdered, and we don't know who it was. And I did like a spin-off series, or well, I can't really call it a series at the moment, there's only two videos, but like a spin-off called Who's Killed Steve, where we try and find out who the murderer was. 
The first video I was really proud of. It went really well. The second video, we had uh, lots of interviews with all of the patrons or all the Realm members to try and find out which one of it was that killed them. Turned out it wasn't any of them. And in the third one, we teased that Jack, who plays the Doctor in my... Is it from Doctor Who in my series? He was coming. So, um, yeah. And then we then it just dropped off. And the the thing is, I actually recorded or me and Jack recorded all of the third part, which hasn't been out yet, before we did the second part. Because obviously I know what the story is. I know where it's going. And we scripted it and we wrote it out and we got it all recorded. And But only the audio, not the video. We haven't... Oh, I think we have recorded some of the video. Yeah, we did that. And then I spent ages and ages working on part two... And I kind of forgot where we were going with part three and they had different ideas and people on the Discord and in the comments were coming up with their own theories of what was going on. Some people guessed the theory, so I wanted to change how it was going to go. And the idea kept evolving. And the frustrating part was I already had I already had the script and the footage. So I didn't want to change the idea too much. So in my head, the idea is still the same. But when I went back recently to try and work on it, I, it was really difficult to pick up where we'd left off because I couldn't remember exactly how far we got through it. So what I need to do is I need to put literally like an entire weekend to one side and I'm going to wake up in the morning on Saturday morning at like 8 in the morning, go, spend like three or four hours going through what we've already produced, looking at the script, getting my head back round it again and then spending the rest of the weekend filling in the gaps of the bits we've not recorded putting it together, editing it, and adding in all the special effects as well because they, they're quite heavily heavily special affected, these episodes. And part three is only going to be short. It's probably only going to be about five, ten minutes long, not even ten minutes, I wouldn't have thought. It's a very short episode. So you think, well, it won't take you very long to do. But there's quite a lot going on. There's a bit of comedy in it that I need. it needs to be perfect. It needs to be just right. And it's it's one of those things that's in the back of my mind all the time. I literally think about it every single day, but I don't want to just try and scratch at it five minutes here or 10 minutes there or half an hour here or half an hour there. I want it to be perfect because I think I've set a pretty good precedent with episodes one and two. I was really happy with them. Uh, My Christmas special I did last year, I put a lot of effort into. I was really happy with the quality on that. I want part three to have the same level of quality. Now, the reason I haven't got as much time at the moment than I normally do to work on these things is because life changes. Things change in your life. My personal life has changed quite dramatically over this year. Uh, I've got more personal things going on than I didn't have last year. Work has gone crazy. If you don't know, I run my own business. I am. I don't employ anyone. It's only me, so I have to do literally everything. Like today, I'm supposed to be doing my accounts, and I'm not. I'm <laughs> sitting here recording a podcast because I'm late with my podcasts. Um, it's all a fine balance. And when you've got a lot on, even like last night, I didn't have a lot on last night, but because I've been so busy each day and I've got a lot on my mind, I didn't want to sit down at the computer and record a video because I, I just wanted to rest my mind and just have five minutes to myself. So I watched TV and I went to bed early just to rest my mind, give myself a fresh start to come out today and feel better about things. And that's life is like that. At the moment, I've got a really tricky next three weeks ahead of me. My kids break up on the 21st of December from school and they're going to be with me from then until Christmas Day and then they're going to go back to their mum's house before sort of from Christmas Day until New Year's Day and then they're going to come back to me for a bit. 
And but before the twenty first of December, for the next literally like just less than three weeks, I'm going to be full on with work. I've got a huge piece of machinery come in uh, that's been well delayed, and I've got to get it fixed and working and set up in my workshop. And then I've got to get the customers that want it. Um, to sign off on it and say, yeah, that's great, we want it, and then I've got to take it to where they are and I've got to install it there. And it's a big, long job, and they want it done before Christmas, and I'm running out of time. And it's been delayed be- for reasons outside of my control. Uh, basically, in manufacturing, it was slow, and then actually shipping it to the UK because it was made overseas. There was delays in customs, so I'm well behind and I've got to try and catch up in the next three weeks, which means I'm going to be working evenings, I'm going to be working weekends, and it just means that everything else has to go on hold. And it's not just you guys that are going to miss out. It's not just like my Minecraft videos that are going to be delayed by this. It's Christmas. I haven't done any Christmas shopping yet. When am I going to fit that in? So I'm going to have to rush Christmas shopping, which means pretty much going on Amazon and going, yep, 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 that'll do, and not putting a great deal of thought or effort into it, which is not good because... There's no point in buying someone a present that you haven't put thought or effort into because it's an empty gesture then. I like to think that the presents I get for people for Christmas are well thought through and, um, yeah, so they can appreciate them. So, yeah, it's a tricky time of year. It's certainly the busiest I've been in a long, 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 long time, but I'm hoping I've got my fingers crossed in the new year it's all going to die off a bit and get a little bit easier and a little bit more relaxed and I will be able to fill in some of the gaps, put in a little bit more time on YouTube and get Who Killed Steve 3 finished. Because it's going to be a fourth part as well, believe it or not. Part 3 doesn't answer all the questions. It leaves us on another cliffhanger and we're going to be going, what the monkeys is going on here? <laughs> Where's part four? So you think you waited a long time for part three. I haven't even written part four yet. So uh, yeah, <laughs> good luck with that one. Right, anyway... That is the Q&A over and done with. We are a long way through the podcast. We haven't even started the first discussion. I'm going to have a little break now, and I'm going to come back to this in a second. You won't notice any time has passed, but for me, it's probably going to have been five or ten minutes. Bye. Okay, then. Discussing an existing feature is the uh, is the is is like the, the area of the podcast, and you can't really call it a feature, because we're going to be talking about bugs, which I suppose for Bedrock Edition is a feature, because they've always been there, and it's not like Java Edition, which has... Java Edition has millions of bugs, but they're all tiny, weasley, insignificant ones, where you go, oh, right, okay, I didn't realise that. Right, well, I'll just do that slightly differently then. It doesn't affect the game too much. Like, there was a bug a while ago where... You, if you wanted to make an automatic brewing station in Java Edition, the hopper that went underneath the brewing stand to take the items out of the brewing stand and put them into the chest or the finished potions would only take the first three bottles through and then it would just lock up. It wouldn't work. And that was a bug. And you just go, well, I'll just do it slightly differently or I'll have to manually take the bottles out. It wasn't the end of the world. It didn't mean you've got to change how you design your builds. It didn't mean you have to change the mechanics of the game. It was just a little bug, a little annoyance, and things like that get fixed all the time. Java Edition is constantly fixing bugs, uh, but they're all bugs you never even knew existed. They're hardly ever any really big like game-breaking bugs, certainly not with the actual interface of the game or actually how the game works, whereas Bedrock Edition, you don't tend to find too many... Well, maybe you do find quite a lot of smaller bugs, but it's the big ones you really notice because they do genuinely break the game. They make it impossible to play the game. So I'm going to start a little while back with some bugs that have now been fixed, but this... 
this was my first sort of introduction to Bedrock Edition being completely broken. So I used to play my Bedrock Survival Realm as a single-player world, and it played fine. I had no issues with it. Uh, it was well-optimized. It ran smoothly. And as a single-player world, it was great. I had a really good time playing it. And then I decided to open it up as a realm, not realizing that realms just were... They just didn't work. Not only was uh, all of this block placing and breaking lag, which wasn't due to... Well, it was just basically due to them coding the game wrong. At the end of the day, they just had way too much information being sent every time you try to break, break or place a block that... If you try to place a string of blocks, half of them would just disappear again. Or if you try to break a load of blocks, half of them would reappear again. So if you had a beacon with haste too, you would actually end up mining things out two or three times rather than just mining things out slowly. If you mined out slowly, it was more reliable. Let's put it that way. So it was, it was, it made digging and mining and actually building a real chore. And it was so annoying. And it really put me off playing the game because they're the two main things, mining and crafting or building. You know, that's the two key parts of the game. And for those to be broken and not work in realms just was bizarre to me. And it took them over a year to fix it. It took them over a year to fix that issue. And it's finally fixed. So thank goodness for that it's fixed. But with those fixes came a host of new problems. Um, a recent problem that everybody had, and I made a big warning video on this, and it was to do with all of a sudden your ender chest and inventory would be completely wiped, your player would be completely reset, and you would end up back at the spawn point in your game for no particular reason. They couldn't really decide what it was. They couldn't decide if it was when you switched between a console edition or another device or if it was when you played on Android and switched over to Windows 10. It just seemed to be completely random. And the problem was anything in your ender chest would be deleted, anything in your inventory would be deleted. So if you are someone like me that keeps literally everything of value in their ender chest, my ender chest is, it's basically got 27 shulker boxes in, in that are full of all of my valuable stuff and all my building materials. To have that just to completely disappear and then everything in your inventory, like your armor and your elytra and your weapons and stuff to just completely disappear, you've got to start again. If my end, if my ender chest got wiped, that'd be it. I would have no diamonds, none whatsoever, no gold and no emeralds because it all lives in my ender chest. So people were being reset that I'd spent the last, you know, two or three years building up on Minecraft and having everything removed. And it was just, oh, yeah, um, sorry about that, guys. We know it's a problem. We're working on it. Now, hats off to Mojang on this one. When they actually fixed it, they did actually manage to implement something into the game that gave the players a chest full of their stuff or at least some of their stuff that they'd lost. So people did get stuff back in the end when they fixed that one. But what what a what a bug. How does a bug like that come about? And I, I, I still don't know to this day really what caused it, but it was basically people's player data. There was a server-side data where their, their player data was stored on the server they were playing on. And then there was like the client-side data where their... their data was stored on the computer they were playing on. And if they didn't sync up properly when you quit a game and you, then you started a game on a different device, it would just go, I don't know which one to use, so just wiped out everything, deleted it all, which is really, really bad. So just simple things like that that basically say to me the developers, when they're changing things, aren't fully thinking things through or at least aren't testing things properly. We are effectively the guinea pigs of Bedrock Edition. So that was a big one that occurred recently. 
Then there was all of the crashes. We had a big like few months before we got a hot fix of every time you went into the nether, the game would crash, or every time you came out of the nether, the game would crash, or when an animal went through the nether, the game would crash. So we had all of these weird crashes to do with changing dimension, which was no good. And I remember when I first started recording Bedrock Edition, if I went through a portal um, into the nether, my recording software, OBS, would just cut out for about 30 seconds. So if I tried to carry on talking as I was going through, then then I would just lose that section of the video. And there was a, quite a few videos when I didn't really understand what was going on in the first place, where I'd just have to cut out a big chunk of the video because I'd carried on rambling on as I went through another portal. And then when I came to edit, went, oh, there's 30 seconds of the video missing here. And it was just because there was a bug that meant when you went through to a different direction, dimension it used a hundred percent of your computer's processing power to actually process loading the nether on the other side and it would cut out any recording software you had because there wasn't enough processing power left now i work with a really powerful pc and even that was you know just just had nothing left so so yeah that was a big problem and they did fix that one so you do fix these things eventually but they are around for a long time then recently we had one on my Chaos Realm. My Chaos Realm is like the, the lowest tier of my patronage. You can play on that for $1 a month. And that has got quite a few re- regular players on. And we there were a chunk basically got corrupted in it, or two chunks did. And I don't know how this happens. I think it's to do with when the world unloads sometimes. Uh, you th- Some of them can get corrupted. And it turned out that a tower that was recently built had a couple of corrupt chunks in it. There were a few furnaces and hoppers and chests that were causing issues. We managed to find out which one it was using an external program, and we sorted it out, and then we found out that there were even bigger bugs about, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, which was basically the same bugs that I came across in my latest Bedrock video. And those bugs are that on the Windows 10 version of the game, bear in mind that Windows 10 is made by Microsoft, and Mojang is owned by Microsoft, and it's the Microsoft team that build Bedrock Edition. And Microsoft Xbox Live are the ones that host the Microsoft Bedrock Edition or the Minecraft Bedrock Edition realm. So let, I notice I said Microsoft a lot there. All of these different Minecraft or Microsoft things working together don't actually work because the... <laughs> um, yeah, if you're on Windows 10, you can't upload or sometimes some not always but sometimes you can't upload a backup of your world that you've got in your single player worlds back up to a realm at the moment which is really bizarre because you can from an android phone like this so you if you've got your world on an android phone and you go through the the process on your realm options to replace the world with a backup then you can it works however on your Android phone, if you use to replace your world from an existing backup that's actually held on the server, so like there's the realms, they actually now keep regular backups. If you try and use one of those from an Android phone, it doesn't work, which you can do from Windows 10, which is really bizarre. And finding things out is a long, laborious process that basically takes hours and hours of your time to realize what you can and can't do. And... All of these things you should be able to do, but you can't, and it just fails, and it doesn't give you any reason why it fails. It just goes, no, failed, sorry. It doesn't even say sorry, it just says failed. So what issues 
that came up in my latest video. So as I mentioned earlier, earlier I had like two and a half hours to, re to record this video. So I started recording. The idea was that I was finally going to enable cheats on my realm so that Chuck, my AFK character, could go into creative mode and create time lapses for me. The idea being that while he's in creative mode, all the other survival mode players can sleep like they do on Java Edition. If you're in Java Edition, creative players don't need to sleep Let's say you've got two players joining the world. The survival player can sleep even though the creative player isn't because the creative player is in creative mode, and that makes sense. So I thought that would be the same on Bedrock Edition. I was wrong, so I took the game. I enabled cheats on the game. I took a backup before I did it. We found out that you couldn't sleep because there was a creative player not asleep on the realm, so I thought, right, I'm going to undo that. There's no point in enabling cheats then because I don't want to enable cheats. I've never enabled cheats on it before. I like the fact that I've never enabled cheats. So I went to upload the backup that I made, and it wouldn't do it. I was using my Windows 10 computer, and it said, no, you can't upload this backup. Um, it just kept failing. So I was like, right, okay. Well, I'll, all right, then. I'll download one of the backups from the, the the game had created itself from around about the same time. And I tried to download that to my single-player worlds to see if that would work, and that didn't work. I couldn't download it. It just kept failing. I'm like, why is that failing? So, okay, okay, I'll go onto a different computer, and I'll try and do it from that. And then it failed, and that didn't work. So why does it keep failing? So I restarted Minecraft. I restarted the computer. I left it a few minutes. I thought maybe the realm had crashed or something like that. Then I got back into the realm, and it was exactly where I'd left it, but it said that the cheats had turned off again, and basically it was just a big mess. Eventually, I had to download the export that I'd made through a USB stick onto my phone. I went, I loaded up Minecraft on my phone, managed to upload that to the realm, and it said it had done it. I then joined the realm back on my computer. Everything was as it was before I'd made the changes. Then it all crashed again. The entire realm crashed. It went down for about an hour. Eventually, when it came back up, it was at a stage even before that that I'd basically from when I'd loaded the game originally before I did the export. So basically, the, the realm itself must have completely crashed and had to load its own backup internally without me interfering with it so it went back to a stage before i did anything else so it was really really bizarre the point is that the the, the whole point of bedrock edition of minecraft is that you've got a more optimized and more simple experience the idea is that rather than in java edition where you've got a launcher you choose what profile you want you choose what version of the game you want there's loads of options before you even start the game bedrock edition just loads up and it asks you which world you want to play in. do you want to play on your worlds do you want to play on a friend's world which one do you want and it's dead simple the problem is that they don't work you there's so many bugs with it before you even get into the game like with managing a realm that it's a big problem. If I if everyone was trying to get on that realm while I was fixing it, we'd have had all sorts of problems because it was literally two or three hours before I got the world working again. So it's a massive problem. And I'm paying for that. I'm paying extra. It's not like I'm getting that for free. I'm paying them $9.99 a month to do that. And then that brings me to another bug in Bedrock Edition, which I found out recently, was that my both of my realms expired. So I've got my Chaos Realm and I've got my um, Survival Realm and they're both on six monthly renewals and they expired. 
both on the same day because I took them both out on the same day. So I went to the renewal process and I went through it three times. And each time I went through the renewal process, it failed. It wouldn't do it. It would not let me renew him. And I was doing this again on my Windows 10 Microsoft PC and trying to pay to Microsoft for these renewals on Xbox Live and it would not have any of it. So again, I went on my Android phone and I did it on that and it worked straight away. The issue here is that I spoke to Mojang about it, one of the developers, and they were like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry, and we know that's an issue. We're working on it. And I said, you must be losing so much money from that because not only are people not able to renew their realms through Windows 10, but have it sending them off to either Google or Apple to renew through them, Microsoft are then paying them for the commission to do that. And also, it's cheaper. I didn't realize this, but it's actually cheaper to renew your realm through Android than it is to do it through through Windows. So they're losing money. I just don't understand how they can do this. And this brings me to why these bugs are in the game or why are they able to be in the game? And it must be, as far as I can see, it's either laziness or complacency. There are too many players not complaining. They've got such a massive, massive audience. People are buying Minecraft every day. They're making millions through the Minecraft store. People spending money on Minecons, or Minecons, Minecoins. They don't care. At the end of the day, I just don't, I genuinely think they don't care. They're so swept up in all of this hype for the new features and people getting excited on Twitter and in videos about the new features. They are not focused in the slightest on fixing the problems. And the other thing is the bug report system doesn't work. It does, it's not broken, but it just doesn't work. It's a rubbish bug report system. It doesn't prioritize everything. It doesn't give you a, a way of prioritizing which bugs are the worst. It's, it basically prioritizes which bugs are most common. So the way it works is you go on, you have to sign up for this external system with all of your details. Then you have to write a bug report about what happened in the game and then you find out that someone else has written one that's similar but not quite the same, so your one gets deleted, and there's ones, and you're like, no, my, hang on, my bug's slightly different from their one. No, no, sorry, it's too similar, so use their one. And then it goes on how many votes, basically, each one of these each one of these bugs gets. And unless you spend hours actually trying to read through every single one of the bug reports to try and find the one that fits, no one's going to vote for them. So the developers look at this system and go, well, you know, most of these are not very well voted, so they're obviously not big bugs. We'll, co- we'll focus on the ones with the most votes, which are generally the ones that are most common, but not necessarily the ones that cause the most problems. And then you get the developers actually admitting, like they have done to me on occasions, that go, we just don't know what the problem is. We don't know. And that's like this animals despawning. You know how in the game at the moment, animals despawn? The point, the problem is when you get an entity or an animal that is on a chunk border, when those chunks unload, the game doesn't know which chunk to put them in, so it just deletes them from the game. And they've admitted that happens, but they've put their hands up and go, we don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to fix it. I'm like, how can you not know how to fix it? You have got the richest developer studio in the world. You've got the all the money. You should be able to hire people that can do this in their sleep. You're not coding a particularly complicated game. It's not like you're coding like this massive, huge, open world platform with all this this physics and stuff going on. You're creating, you're coding this so simple game. And the other thing from following these developers on Twitter is you get a real sense that a lot of them are glory hunters. They're like, oh, we want our 
one of them said to me, and then then they denied it. That we want to be able to. We spend months working on these features. We want to get them out sooner rather than later, which is why we're pushing updates more regularly. And I'm like, well, it shouldn't be like that. You should test them first, make sure everything's working, and then put all the updates out together as one working like platform, like you used to do. And then they were moaning about that. And then oh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this other than moaning because I'm just yet again fed up with bedrock edition of minecraft because it's just so broken and i'm going to get to the point what annoys me the most now and this is there's aubrey is she called or someone like that who is basically what looks to me like the ringleader from the uh, the moyang studios in the u.s which is the ones that primarily work on the bedrock edition of the game and she is uh, really annoying let's put it that way um always on you and I only get annoyed because she seems so happy all the time, and that sounds bad. But I I come to Twitter with a problem in the game, and then I see all of these posts from her going, "Hey, my creators, can you basically advertise our Minecoin store on your YouTube channel for us?" And we'll give you some free mine coins to hand out to your fans and things like that. And that really annoys me. And it annoys me because she is basically, first of all, she says my creators, like because she she see she must see herself as Mrs. Minecraft and that she's really important and that all of these YouTube creators that are making Minecraft videos off their own back have nothing to do with her. She sees them as basically her tool in order to do her job better. So her job is obviously promoting Minecraft and it is getting people to the Minecraft store to spend mine coins and she thinks how can I how can I oh what's the word how can I use these people to my advantage how can I take advantage of these creators in order to better Minecraft, or not better Minecraft, in order to generate more revenue for Minecraft. So she goes around dangling carrots in front of people's eyes. And if you don't know what that refers to, I'm sure you've all heard of a carrot on a stick because it is an item in Minecraft that um, basically is a metaphor that goes back a very long time. Dangling a, a carrot in front of somebody is a metaphor for basically offering them something they really want in order to, to get something, to, to do something for you. And this Aubrey keeps dangling these carrots in front of people's eyes. She keeps going, she makes everybody feel like they're best friends. She makes everybody feel like she really cares about them. And she offers these tips on you on Twitter of how they can do things on their channel. And that would be really cool if they did this. And hey, guys, hey, my friends, hey, my creators, hey, we're all part of this family together. And it's all false. It's all complete and utter crap. As far as I'm concerned, excuse my friends, it's completely false. You can see through it a mile away. But all of these YouTubers, these smaller YouTubers, desperate for attention, desperate to be noticed, desperate to be part of Mojang and part of Minecraft, are lapping it up left, right and centre. And she basically goes on, and she goes, she uses this power she's got over these YouTubers that she calls her creators in order to abuse their fan base effectively in order to spend more money on mine coins. And what she does is she says, hey, guys, look, I'm going to give you some free mine coins to dish out to your fans. So your fans really think you're cool and something special if you make a video 
promoting, oh, sorry, not promoting, highlighting your favorite thing in the Minecraft App Store. Hey, if you make a video on your new, your favorite map or your favorite skin pack or your favorite texture pack or your favorite three things you can get from the Minecraft Store, we'll give you some free mine coins to hand out to your friends and these, these YouTubers, they're lapping it up. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. I could make these videos. And I literally, I wrote an, a, a tweet to her and I can't remember what it said. It was ages ago. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not your creator. What, what do you want about your creators? These not to do with you. They're not your creators. They're their own individual people. And there's no way I will promote anybody spending mine coins in the Minecraft store until you fix the game. Because it really annoys me that they, they're they so busy shoving all of this down our throats, spend more money on Minecraft, when they don't actually fix the game. I would more than happily promote Minecraft and Mojang and their store. I'd make videos on all their stuff if I knew that they cared about their fan base and if I knew they actually, if they had a working game, if they would fix the game, I'd do that quite happily. No problem whatsoever. I would help promote them because generally it's a great game and generally they have good ethics, but I think it's really, really bad of them to abuse and use other creators to promote their stuff when they are basically turning a blind eye to all of the issues. And it's not like these issues are few and far between. They're there all the time. Even Silent Whisperers doing like bug videos every week on massive bugs like infinite villager breeders where you don't even need a farm or duplicating the ender dragon 50 times with so easy to do these bugs that are massive that are game breaking bugs which mean you can't even download your realm or upload a backup or any of these things because they've just messed it up look after your fans and your fans will look after you if they keep turning the blind eye, they're going to put off more and more people and more and more people are just going to turn to Java Edition, which like they are doing. And this is the reason why Java Edition players won't go over to Bedrock Edition. It's not because Bedrock Edition's lacking features. It's because it doesn't work. There's no spectator mode. There's no decent creative mode. There's no command block system. Well, there is a command block system, but it's very limited. There's so many things missing from it or broken things in it that don't work the way they should work, that people are like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that until it's fixed. And I get it. I completely understand why people don't want to move over to it. And I keep trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. I keep trying to get passionate with it and and work with it. And I do enjoy playing Bedrock Edition, but the frustration really takes it out of me and it makes me go, do you know what, I've, I've had it. I'm sick of Bedrock Edition, forget it. I don't need it. I can play Java Edition. But you guys, you guys all play Bedrock Edition. You guys like my Bedrock Edition videos, so I don't have a choice. I've got to stick with it. No, in all seriousness, I generally do like playing on Bedrock Edition, but these bugs are unacceptable, in my opinion, and it does make the studio look like that it's being run by a fun- bunch of uh, five-year-old chimpanzees, effectively. So, uh, yeah, they need to sort it out. They need to sort it out. They need to work on it. They need to fix it. Okay, so I rambled on a very long time about that. It's obviously something I'm very passionate about. I might not have got across what I wanted to get across very well. Basically, yeah, there's a lot of bugs in the game which, as far as I'm concerned, are unacceptable. And the fact that they're still trying to ram mine coins down people's throat, spend more money, spend more money, spend more money, I think is unacceptable when the game doesn't work, when it's broken. People should be asking for refunds not being asked to spend more money as far as I'm concerned because it's just bad business. 
Anyway, let's discuss Article 13. There's a couple of things I want to touch on very quickly before we finish this podcast. Um, One of them is in response to a comment I got on YouTube, which was basically somebody linked to an article from a a music magazine or from a musician uh, website where they said that YouTube are just scaremongering and they're only making these Article 13 videos for the views and for the money and that um, there's no real issue. And this person is obviously walking around with one eye closed because you need to have an open mind over these things. Of course, different people are going to have different reactions to it and different people are going to feel differently about it. Musicians are going to be really happy with Article 13. Filmmakers are. People that create content that want it protecting are going to be over the moon with the current version of Article 13 because it means that if they see anybody producing content using their stuff without permission, not only do they get to sue the person that used it, but they also get to sue the platform that hosted it, such as YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or all of these places So, yeah, they're going to be over the moon. So this blog or this article was written on a musician website or a musician magazine written from the point of view of a music creator. And they were talking about how YouTube was scaremongering and that people, yeah, there was nothing wrong with Article 13. Now, I completely agree. There is nothing wrong with the idea of Article 13. The idea of Article 13 is to protect copyright or to protect people's personal property what's it called ip intellectual property that's it it's it's to stop people using it that shouldn't the problem is it's not it the problem isn't i don't know the problem is people misusing it that's the issue the issue with article 13 the way it's written means that youtube are just going to react to it and not just youtube instagram facebook any public social media platform where you can upload material to they are in their rights to just go, do you know what? We're just going to stop anyone in Europe from being able to unload this content because we don't want to get sued on their behalf. The idea of Article 13 is great. Yes, people should have their works copyrighted. It should be protected. There should be things in place to stop people abusing that. And YouTube are trying. They're trying really hard to stop it. But obviously Europe isn't happy enough with that. The, pro- the thing is we need to strike a balance and we can't strike a balance. The other thing I forgot to mention in my previous podcast about Article 13 was that not only are YouTube going to be potentially blocking uh, content from being uploaded in Europe, but it- they're also going to be blocking Europeans from accessing certain content as well. And I think this is probably to do with uh, preventing the European creators from seeing content that might actually contain their stuff in that was produced overseas. So let's say uh, an American YouTuber uses a song that was written by a European artist and that European artist could quite easily come after the American creator or content creator for using it. YouTube just want to stop that European artist from being able to see that they've actually used it in the first place to stop any hassles, to stop any potential lawsuits. So I get it. I get why they would block it from both ways. Personally, I don't think it's scaremongering. Personally, I didn't do it for the views. My my videos get very few views. My videos earn less than a dollar per video pretty much. So it's not like I'm making money from making scaremongering Article 13 videos or podcasts. I'm doing it to try and create awareness from both sides of this because everybody's going to be affected in different ways. So the other thing I want to quickly touch on is how we could potentially get around it. 
Um, we've been thinking about this quite a lot. Obviously, like I mentioned in the last podcast, I could use a VPN, which is basically like a virtual private network that will allow it my computer to pretend it's in America, even though it's in uh, Europe, or it could pretend it's anywhere outside of Europe, and I'd be able to upload from there. I did say I think YouTube or you know these big companies will get wise to that and stop that from happening. The other thing I think that could happen, which would be quite legitimate as far as I could see, is you'll get a lot of non-European networks start like appearing out of nowhere that will offer to take your videos. You basically send your videos to them and then they will upload it as their content from uh, an outside of European area. And I think that could work. Now, the networks already exist, and all a network is at the moment is, a networks are really bad. Don't ever join a network. All a network does is they go, hey, we can make you more money by giving you better sound effects and overlays and graphics and promoting your videos help, and help you out and get noticed on YouTube. They don't. All they do is they go, right, I'm going to take 30% of your YouTube money. If you do well, we're going to do well. And they might give you like access to free royalty-free sound effects and music packs, which you could probably find on the internet anyway. Don't ever give your money to a network. Don't ever give your channel to a network. You might feel like you've done really well being signed by a network. You're not. A network will sign anyone because any revenue to them is more revenue. Don't let them fool you by going, hey, only the most exclusive YouTubers can join our network. Hey, you over there making Minecraft videos, have you got more than 5,000 subscribers? If so, come to us. Don't fall for it. They just want your money. They just want your money. They're not going to do anything for you. They don't have any way of promoting your products that they wouldn't already, that you can't already do yourself. So don't do it. Anyway, that's that's enough of talking about existing networks but yeah i see these non-european networks suddenly reaching out to people in a different way going hey people in europe hey let us have your content we'll take the rights to your content and we'll pay you a certain revenue based on what how that video um basically works and we'll host it for you we'll put it up for a fee so they will charge people in europe to get their content on up on uploaded to youtube and then potentially base pay them back something depending on whether that video does well or not. That could work. It's not going to be as good, obviously, as the system is at the moment, but that could work. It could get us around these laws and things like that. Another comment I got on YouTube was, just move to America. Yeah, okay. I'll just leave my family, leave my kids. Well, and I know you can hear the argument. I can hear it now. Just take your kids and your family with you. My kids don't live with me and their, their, their mothers and their families aren't just going to follow me to America so I can stay, you know, be with my kids. It's not going to happen. I can't move. I'm stuck in Europe, whether I like it or not. Right, anyway, that is enough of all of that stuff. I've gone on for way too long. Um, again, before we finish, I would just like to say, if you want to talk to me, if you want to ask me any questions, if you want to give me ideas for the next podcast, if you want to join in my realms, all the information can be found on foxynotel.com. You can get me on Twitter at foxynotel. My YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash foxynotel. And if you just want to support me for no other reason than, you know, just helping me out, you can pledge on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash foxynotel. My plans for next week outside of Minecraft are lots more work. That's pretty much it. Sleep and work. In Minecraft, I'm going to work on the area around my stables on Bedrock Edition. And in Java, I'm going to think about maybe doing a in, an ill mango mob spawner and see if I can get some cool mob spawning things going on. Um, and that's about it. Something to think about. What do you think about all these bugs in Bedrock Edition? Is it fair for them to ask people for more money for Minecraft? Mine coins when the game is broken. Personally, I think they should be dishing out free mine coins for having all of these bugs in the game. 
Give me ideas for my next podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. I hope you did enjoy this one. I'm sorry I've waffled on for so long. It's a passionate subject of mine. Hopefully I'll see you all in the next one. Thank you for listening. Bye!